This is a recording made in the chapter of the open book under the covering title Saul, who also is called Paul. And we are concerned in these meetings not so much as the to consider the earthen vessel, which is still important to us, but the treasure that he said that earthen vessel contains. There are some who wonder why we stress this earthen vessel. And we would wish to make it known that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable and remind them that it's the Apostle Paul who said so. All scripture. And when he said all scripture, the New Testament, so far as we know it, wasn't in existence. So he covers the whole of the Bible and says it's profitable. But then this Bible is a message sent by God to different companies of God's people at different times. And it deals with different phases and aspects of his mighty purpose. So that the same epistle that says all scripture says rightly divide the word of truth. And so we discover that this earthen vessel, the Apostle Paul, was entrusted with a special aspect of truth that belongs to the calling that we rejoice to know by the mercy of God is ours. I just say those things so that we may understand why we are stressing this aspect. Now, I was just reading recently, rather ancient history perhaps, the uh, work of Florence Nightingale. And you know the terrible affairs that took place out in the Crimea. Men suffering, not merely from the actual war, but through the utter ignorance and negligence. Sewage seeping into the water they drink. Food that was running alive with maggots. Places where the poor sick ones lay invaded by rats. And then, to crowd it all, I won't say the lady's name who was mentioned, would it be of any help to send out a few bottles of eau de cologne? Would you believe it? Don't you see, there comes a time when unless we really know what we're up against, we cannot really appreciate the gospel that is preached. Now, from one point of view, this, this meeting is a ministry and the Lord's people are here and it would be very reasonable to say we'll look at the wonderful blessings which are ours in Christ through this earthen vessel. But you know, unless we realise the condition we were in by nature, we shall never appreciate the blessings that come to us through Christ. And the words that I uh, use to open this subject this morning are found in Psalm 40. You might like to turn to it, but if not, I shall just only quote it and leave it. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, and out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. 
unless that writer had realised the horrible pit that he'd been in by nature, he wouldn't have been able to appreciate the establishing of his goings and the rock beneath him. So, without further explanation or apology, I'm going to ask you to turn, first of all, to the earthen vessel the Apostle Paul to discover what he has been given by God to tell us about that dreadful thing that ends in death, that could only be dealt with and blotted out by the gift and sacrifice of his son, namely, a little word, S-I-N. While we are listening, we thank God that ever our eyes were open to see our need and his lovely and wonderful provision. But let us also realise that here is a subject which we do well to ponder and ponder deeply. The very emphasis we have upon redemption gives us some idea of the nature of sin, for we are redeemed at infinite cost. Even though we speak about God's unspeakable gift, we can only begin in the smallest degree to encompass what it involves. So that you and I will be doing ourselves a great service if we realise the pit from which we've been delivered, so that we may better appreciate the rock upon which our feet have been placed. Redemption, the day of judgment, the fact of death, the difference between law and grace, the promises, they're all involved in this one essential feature. And so, I turn our attention to some of the ways in which it is spoken of in the scriptures to get some idea of this awful thing that could not be set aside apart from the gift, the unspeakable gift of the Son of God. If you will turn to the book of Judges, you get there in the scriptures and the use of a word, a little idea of one of the essential characters of this subject, sin. The book of Judges follows the book of Joshua, and it's the 20th chapter, 20th chapter, verse 16. Verse 15 tells you it was the children of Benjamin that were in, that were in view. And then verse 16 says, Among all these people, there were seven hundred chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. Now that word miss is the Hebrew word for sin, the one that is used more than any other practically in the Old Testament. So did you see, while we look upon sin as a crime, a great uh, act of disobedience, there is in its essential nature this fact that we've missed the mark. There was something we ought to have been able to do and we've not done it. And when you begin to realise that simple basis, you can well understand how the Apostle could write without reserve. All have sinned. And what did he add to it? The very word we have here. And come short. Come short. 
These men were able to slig a stone a hair's breadth and not sin. Because sin, in the estimate of God and his word, is coming short of a divine standard. And so when you begin to examine others who have made sort of claims, the Pharisee, who said he was not like other men, but when you examine what the Pharisee's position was, you realised he comes short of the glory of God. Of course, we've got to see why it should speak of the glory of God as a standard, but we can't do everything at once. But this earthen vessel will help us as we dip into it. But let's go a bit further. Not only does it say in Romans 3, all have sinned and come short. It tells us further in other parts of scriptures, other characteristics. But let's stop for a minute. The apostle writing to the Romans was writing to a church, believers, and he reminded them that there was no exception. Whether they were believers or whether they were just heathen, just living around them, there was one characteristic among them all that all sinned and they'd all cut short and they needed a saviour. I think most of us already agree to that very gladly. Then let us look at the first epistle of John, chapter 3. Just to get a little idea of the way in which other writers have spoken about this dreadful thing. First epistle of John, chapter 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin, there is a definition coming out again. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So God has laid down certain precepts, not necessarily the law of Moses, but the very Dictate of our conscience is a part of his dealing with us. And sin transgresses. So now we've got another aspect, you see. Sin misses the mark. Like those who are said that they did not miss in the Old Testament. And here we have not merely not missing which is negative, but transgressing which is positive. Actually going against some word of God. We might, we might, I think, look at verse 5 as it goes on from there. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. So here's another aspect. Every time we commit sin and every time we our conscience reminds us, we can observe, we can realise that we are stepped out of our position which God has given us in Christ. How easy it is not to act in character. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. That is to say, here is an emphasis upon the ignorant aspect of sin. Sin is a positive transgression, but sin may be a negative act of ignorance. But nevertheless, if you don't know, it's still evil and needs to be dealt with. 
Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. And now, a fling right back to Genesis, early chapters. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. So here we have another aspect of the teaching of scripture. By one man, sin entered into the world. And every one of us are associated, whether we know it or like it or not, with that one man. And there's only one remedy to be taken out of Adam and put into Christ, the second man, the Lord from heaven. Christ is called the second man, the last Adam. And so we are wise if we begin to realise that the whole human race is connected with this utter failure. Search where you will in any part of the globe. There is never found a person who is absolutely sinless except on one occasion and in one little land into that little land of Palestine was born a child of Bethlehem who grew up and proved to be the Son of God and that sinless, spotless Lamb of God took away the sin of the world. And there's no other way in which it can be dealt with. So that you see, it's a negative, it misses the mark and comes short. It is positive, it transgresses a known precept. Let's take it a stage further. We read that sin is lawlessness in this very context. Sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is lawlessness. A revolt. A turning away. Why should, you see, sin is lawlessness. And then, 1 John 5, 17. You notice how the first epistle of John is pursuing this question and character of sin. It looks as though it was laid upon the heart of this man to deal with this aspect. 1 John 5, 17. All unrighteousness is sin. Now, unrighteousness is a negative thing. All that is not right is obviously wrong. So that you see, the more you face these facts, the more you realise there is no escape from the charge. And not one of us can have hope of glory apart from the Son of God who gave himself for us that he might deliver us from all unrighteousness and present us faultless one day in the presence of the Lord himself. And then to come back to Romans, the 14th chapter, we have another statement which which has very much to do with a believer. After we have put our trust in Christ, it doesn't mean that from that time onwards we are infallible and we shall be sinless. If anyone made that boast, you've only got to live with them for half an hour to discover that they've deceived themselves but they've not deceived anybody else. Romans, the 14th chapter, verse 23. The very last statement in the verse. 
Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And that's a very sweeping statement. You may accidentally obey God, but that's not accepted as righteousness. Whatsoever is not positively of faith is negatively sin. All what pitfalls there are with regard to our lack of knowledge of the word of God and all that is of faith. Now don't be alarmed and say what a dreadful thought to have on a Sunday morning. Let's be glad that these little warnings are given us so that we may turn our attention to these scriptures and discover what is of faith, what is righteousness, what is this question of sin, what is missing the mark, what is this failure, and then turning to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, we see that all that we have in the negative is found in him in the positive, and so our trust is quickened and justified by so doing. I thought about this subject this morning and I thought, well now, I wonder whether I ought to take this subject to a Sunday morning congregation that are already believers. But I felt that we do well not to underestimate the dreadful thing that came in, the dreadful thing that brought him down from heaven, the dreadful thing that nailed him to the cross, so that we are looking at it from that point of view. I just want to make sure of any point that uh, I get um, before I shut the book. Let's now turn, shall we, to the uh, Epistle to the Romans, chapter 5. We've got Romans before us, chapter 5. It says in chapter 5, verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, this is the character of all of us by nature. We may be strong with regard to physical health or mental activity, but with regard to the claims of God, utterly impotent. When I was thinking about this meeting, I thought about those who sometimes have an urge to take up either the profession of a doctor or a nurse. There's a certain glamour about it. But so many are horrified when they start their course of training. For they have to deal with uncleanness and all the awful things that accompany sickness. And many are turned aside. And so with regard to the Christian ministry, while we deal with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, which are lovely, let us never forget that there are those other things which are associated with our need for a Saviour, which need all the grace of God to face, lest we be turned aside by the very sickening elements that we have to deal with. Sin is not something to boast about. Sin is something which is horrible and an intruder in the great, in the kingdom of God. And it was sin that brought our Saviour to the cross and to the grave. 
And so we never should speak about these things lightly. Have you noticed? And I wonder whether you would ever look this week. You take some newspaper, I, I suppose, the Telegraph, the Times, the Daily Mail, the Mirror or something. I don't know which one. I wonder whether you would read the columns with this in view. You will read about some outrageous act, I suppose, here and there, something to do with the conflict of nations, something to do with robbery and rape and so on. But will you notice, will you notice whether the little word sin, S-I-N, comes into the newspaper account? If it does, I think it will be a wonderful exception. You see, we may look upon all these things and call them all sorts of names except the one that the scripture has called sin. Otherwise, we are tampering with the subject. We are partly excusing it from this angle or that angle. But sin. And Christ was the sin offering. And the wages of sin is death. Capital punishment. And so we are dealing with something. And this earthen vessel, the Apostle Paul, has left us with statements that must be understood if we're ever going to stand fast and hold fast to the gospel of the grace of God as to the nature of sin and its consequences. Romans 5, verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So now we've got a negative statement. Ungodly. That is to say, God has no place in our thoughts, in our plans, if we belong to this company. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet, for adventure for a good man, some would even dare to die, but he says, oh, look at this, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, so now we have another statement, while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies, so here's the characteristics of this awful thing, sin. I think that we shall have to take other aspects and different uh, phases of this question of sin and the consequences as we, as it were, put our hands into the earthen vessel and lift out some of the things that are treasured in it. We don't want to overdo this. We want to look at the other side which are gloriously treated in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Most of us realise that justification by faith is an essential part of our creed, but shall we give that a hearing? I think we must. Most of us realise that sanctification is another aspect of the fruits of salvation. We must give that a consideration. Most of us rejoice in the consciousness that there is forgiveness of sins, 
But do we know just exactly all that that involves? If we do, we're a blessed company, and we shall not mind hearing it again. So, for the next few Sunday mornings, as we are pursuing this subject, looking into the earthen vessel, we shall be looking at the various ways in which the great, um, as it were, surroundings of this question of sin have been dealt with by this servant of God. And I trust that we shall go out into the world and speak to the men and the women that we meet with more certainty, with more love, with more consciousness of grace. And may the Lord grant unto us that we may see some evidences of his saving grace as a consequence of sowing the seed.